This is Leslie. And this is Laurie. And welcome to Sumo Sumo Kaboom! Where we talk about all things sumo. And today we are talking about injuries and whether or not our men will be ready to wrestle in July or are really gonna struggle. We'll find out. out. That's right. But first, newsflash. Takayasu's back. You got some updates on Takayasu? I don't know. I just saw him doing Shikos. Oh, okay. But I did search around for more of him, and I he just he's just not out there very much. And I just desperately wanted to see more pictures of him smiling. And but anyway, he's back. He's in the doyo. He's practicing, or at least he's doing the basics. Yay! It was just nice to see his face. I've missed his face. Yeah. I've also been watching some of these NHK specials, and. I hadn't been for a while. I don't know why. I guess I just haven't been watching NHK as much. Yeah. And uh, and I normally like to watch that and just a good amount of like Japanese TV. Yes. I thought I'd, I don't know, get back into it. And so they've been doing a little expose on certain wrestlers that we love. And yeah. I just cannot get over Tamawashi. He, he was, <laughs> and his baking. Yeah, but he was featured this week making gyozas at home. Yes, they were so good looking. I too. know. It's just what a delight. I just love, I just love this image of this family man who bakes and he does art and crafts and the arts and crafts are only hearts heart-shaped things okay. it's just the best i love him i just love tamawashi also inho is featured a little bit he was making apparently some food for himself some sort of vinegar dish uh-huh he says he's still avoiding as much contact practice as possible it's so hard for me to say that but he also <laughs> said that he's been transitioning in this time period to kind of get used to being at the tokyo location meaning i think I think they're reestablishing how to go back into quarantine with the other wrestlers or within the other stable to ramp up. Okay. And preparedness for, for July. This. Yeah, I think. I'm not exactly sure how that's going, but I sense that they're all kind of transitioning some way. So I don't know what the rules and regulations are for that or how much they have to go into quarantine prior to that. Right. I imagine it matches at least what the last boss show was. I would think. Also, it was sad. There were a lot of tributes to the recently past Shobushi, and they started to surface, and uh, there were a lot of really sweet things that were said. Ryoden and Kagiyaki were the ones who were affected by his death, and it was just a crushing blow for them, and they said that they have a hole in their hearts, and they vowed uh, all of the stable to fight as one with Shobushi in their hearts moving forward, and Ryoden actually had spent 22 years by his side in school and coming up in sumo, so mm. he said he was like a brother, his lifelong friend. And he said it him personally, it left a gaping hole in his heart. And Kagiyaki fought alongside Shobushi for 10 years. And they were, I think he, he kind of described it as they always challenged each other. And even though Shobushi, I think, was younger, Kagiyaki looked up to him. And so as a mentor and he paid tribute. So he was he was especially heartbroken. But it was nice to see the tributes mm-hmm. because this wrestler that they lost due to coronavirus just kind of really shocked their world. Mm-hmm. It, I think they just didn't think it could happen. Mm-hmm. They just were like, how can this happen? Well, and so quickly. And so quickly. They had checked in on him and he was like, I'm fine, I'm fine. And then the next thing they heard, he had passed. It came by surprise and it was just sad. So I thought we'd switch gears a little bit and talk, though, this week about, like you mentioned before, 
injuries. Um, and I thought I'd just kind of go into a little bit of history here, as I usually do, on injuries. And then I'll give you at the end kind of this big picture thought I had about all of it. Okay. All right. Besides Ashashoryu, he retired kind of in that scandalous bar fight. Mm -hmm. He was Yokozuna, and then he had to retire because of that. And then Haramifuji, mm -hmm. he had an assault on the younger wrestlers. I really can't think, though, of that many other wrestlers retiring scandalously. Mm -hmm. And it's always because, I guess, the only other way a lot of these wrestlers retire is they're injured. Or they just feel like they cannot uh, perform and win the way they think they should. Right. They all want to compete to their greatest ability, mm -hmm. but they just they just can't. And so and as I started to research this topic of, you know, historically of injuries, I started with my favorite wrestler, Ozeki, former Ozeki Takiyasu, who injured himself last year. And he he could just never really heal, you know, between the tournaments. What was it? Hamstring? Did Last his, year? Was, or the well, most recent one? The most recent one. Was that? Yeah, hamstring. Hamstring. Yeah. I can't remember what month that was. And um, after talking to to Mariah about, like, the injury and how she had the hamstring, you know, muscle pull away from the bone, I just thought, oh, my God, this is so brutal. So that's why when yeah. I talked about it on the news, it was just nice to see him back in action and just moving. I was like, his body is healing. He is Back in motion, he is making an effort to come back to his former self physically. Yeah. And I'm glad you bring up Mariah, too, because I'm going to bring in some footage that we didn't share from her last interview with us about healing and injury and coming back from that, because I think it will help us understand the world of these wrestlers a little bit. Sorry to interrupt. No, no. That's, I'm so glad because she had so many great things to say about that. Yeah. These wrestlers give everything they can during the tournaments to stay healthy. And, and it's really odd when you think about it because a lot of these guys are in their 20s and they're flexible and they're agile and they're but their fierceness in this brutal kind of sport brings constant injury. And just, I don't know, brought home to me just how friggin' dangerous it is. You know, I have to say the same thing when I was looking into this in preparation for this. It made me really fear for them because I'm, I'm just like looking up all this statistic information about what it takes to heal from injury and how violent the sport is. And I was like, oh, my God, it's a miracle any of these guys can walk after their careers, you know? Right. Well, and I guess in a way... Most of these wrestlers retire when the injuries just affect too much of their technique. Yeah, they build up. Takayasu, I mean, that looked like a career-ending injury. It sure did. I mean, it looked like a severe hamstring tear. We don't know, though, because they never really They never really us. say. Right, yeah. right. So I don't know. Maybe this is the silver lining of coronavirus in the sumo world is that... These months may, you know, their bodies may atrophy, but, but, but they, for the first time, will have like a, a little bit more time than they normally would to actually heal like a normal person, mm -hmm. not just keep fighting on an old injury. Right. Then I started Googling Yokozunas with injuries. Okay. And a plethora of articles <laughs> came up. Just really? like, you know, next page, next, I mean, there's just so many. And, and, and are you talking career-ending injuries or just injuries overall? Just injuries overall. Okay. Every single wrestler has injuries. Mm -hmm. There's just like... Yeah, there's it, nobody out there that's like, I feel great all the time. I just, except for the 50-year-old wrestler I talked about last time, like, I, 
No, they yeah. go until they are toast physically. So Kisuno Sato came up first mostly because, you know, he's a modern day wrestler. And he's the most recent one. Yeah. yeah. And he's now living with this new title, Arisa, which is so hard because I like Kisuno Sato. I do too. I like saying his name, but, but I'm going to try to honor the Shikona tradition and, and call him Arisa. And he reflected on his journey in sumo and, and he said he doesn't regret anything, but he did say that if he could go back in time to 2017, he would contemplate having surgery because he had this big chest muscle injury that yeah. sidelined most of his Yokozuna career. Upon his retirement and looking back, he said, even though it is very regrettable that I wasn't able to live up to everyone's expectations as a Yokozuna, I don't regret one bit of my career on the doyo. And when mentioning his injury he suffered in March 2017, he said, since the injury, I was confident that I was doing the best I could. I wrestled with everything I had in the world, and I felt for the first time that I was unable to go on. And further saying, I was gradually recovering, but I was still unable to wrestle in my own style. My condition couldn't return to that before I was injured. Mm -hmm. I just thought, oh, my God, this guy literally sacrificed his body when he he became Yokozuna because he had a very incredible Ozeki career. Mm -hmm. And he fought so hard. And then we finally got to the top. He just was like, well, I'm here and... I'm going to push through for them, for the for the fans, for the people, yeah. for this, that I give myself to the sport. And he had a muscle tear, right? Yeah. Yeah. Left. What did I say? Left. Was side, it left muscle to tear? It, it was a pectoral or something like that. I don't know. And then he had surgery. No, he didn't. He did not have no, surgery. He okay, didn't. so that's what he's regretting, the fact yeah, that he didn't have it would, surgery. And, and he was a Yokozuna, so he could have taken time out, but he had already taken time out with the injury. So I think it kind of screwed him up because if he had made the choice in the beginning to have the surgery, then maybe he wouldn't have been out so long. He would have been able to heal. Yep. But the pressure to come back, the was pressure so was so intense that he was like, no, no, no. I'm gonna, I can't have the surgery. I'm going to push through this. And it ended his career. Yeah. I read an article in which he said that after that tear, you know, he lost 80 to 90% of the strength in that muscle. Wow. So imagine trying to sumo wrestle. And, and he did. with right, But the other wrestlers knew what his weakness was. Well, exactly. Was. So they went right there. Yeah. They were like, this guy has maybe 10 to 20% of the strength right. he normally has Which is right kind there. of brutal because they know that about each other. Yeah. And they like go for it. You know, in Karate Kid where they're like... Go for the knee. Yeah. Go for the knee. I kind of feel like in sumo, they use that to their advantage, which is why I said it was such kind of a brutal sport. Um, yet I still love it. But I don't think they're trying to injure anyone. No, they, no, they know... have incredible respect for each other. Yeah. But there's something about that where, like, I clearly see a weakness. Yeah. So that's part of my strategy in winning. Yeah. It's not like they can just be kind to that person. They want the win. After researching Kisano Sato's career and... You mean Ariso? Oh, right. Ariso? <laughs> See? I'm so bad. It's so easy. Uh, just a rabbit hole more of articles popped up about sumo injuries, mentioning almost every single wrestler I have ever heard of. Yeah. And then it just made so much sense that it's like sumo is injury to me. In 2001, Akibono retired after the realization that his knee injuries were never going to allow him to compete at his best. He was only 31 when he retired, mm-hmm. and his knees were just shot. And he said, to be frank, 
I was in pain for the whole last year. Yep. Could you imagine just like trying to do yeah. your doyo iri and like perform and just be like in such intense pain? Because you see, you know, they already know pain when you watch mm-hmm. them practice. Not many sports literally every single day have their athletes compete and practice to utter like exhaustion. exhaustion. Yeah. They just don't as much. I mean, maybe I'm just not well versed in all sports, but except for like maybe people who are running marathons or whatever, that's like something where I could see those people like fall down at the end of marathons. That's mm-hmm. kind of how it looks at the end of sumo practice every day. Mm-hmm. So they're pain threshold uh, is either extremely dramatic or it's truly they are in pain well, and they fight high. through it and they mentally say, well, I'm just going to keep going until my body just literally won't allow. And I don't think that's unique to sumo. I think you'll find that in a lot of uh, high impact sports like rugby oh, or yeah. like football. Yeah. Like if you're going to be a defensive lineman. I think you just get really used to that mentality. Yeah, maybe. Maybe, yeah. The other Yokozuna was Wakanohana Third. His record was, in fact, quite impressive. With five shows, one as a Komusubi, four as a Ozeki, but none as Yokozuna. He uh, had a descent after he suffered a serious injury, which prevented him from competing properly. And he had to retire by the year 2000, less than two years after his Yokozuna promotion. So that was similar in okay. some ways to Kasino or Araiso. Yeah. Yokozuna Onokuni submitted his resignation papers, but the board instead told him to toughen up as his bad performance was due to his injury. So he just had to toughen up. Yeah, isn't that so amazing? from within the culture itself, they're like, fight through it. Yep. It's like almost not a martyrdom, but in some ways they're like, you go till literally you. I wonder if that's changing, though. I hope it is. I hope it is, too. But this is the strong tradition of sumo for thousands of years. So since Jesus tabs. <laughs> Now, I've been talking mostly about Yokozuna. Lower-ranked wrestlers, you know, they, they have it much worse off because the immense pressure for the top wrestlers, I guess they get to perform, but they can also take time off. The yeah. lower-ranked wrestlers, like Takayasu, they have to keep going. Otherwise, they fall, 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 fall way down. Yeah, they lose their rank. Yeah. And yeah. there's just no coming back sometimes for a lot of them. Yokozuna Chiono Yama was increasingly troubled by his knee injury to the point where he could sometimes barely walk due to the pain. And he announced his retirement in January 1959. So I don't know. What I gathered is that injury is very much part of this end of the career. And I think all wrestlers know this, which shows just how partly crazy these guys are. (laughs) Because anyway, they know their life expectancy is shorter than most, like Mm -hmm. by 10 years. Mm -hmm. They know that their body will never recover from what they do to it. A lot of the weight, the knees, potentially, um, during their sumo years. You were mentioning all other sports, football. I guess it is like football players who know that CTE is Mm -hmm. a very real possibility. Yep. And yet they do it. Mm -hmm. They just accept it which i think is fascinating Mm -hmm. they go until their body gives out and their injuries may dog them for the rest of their lives literally competition isn't between you and your opponent but more like you and your body and how fast you can excel without getting injured Mm -hmm. on the climb up to the top Mm -hmm. 
and and it is a miracle when they do make it to the top. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes like about Hakuho, he's been injured, but he has the luxury of like being I don't know, maybe he sacrificed in the beginning or just was lucky enough to not get injured as much. But if he gets injured now, he can be like, I'm going to peace out. And so can Kakadu. They can peace out of a tournament and give themselves the extra time to heal. Mm-hmm. So it's this weird catch-22 where you got to get to that point. Then you might be able to, But then when you're there, you still have to compete to this insane level. Mm-hmm. So maybe it is all the same. No matter what rank you are, you are going to sacrifice your body. So that's kind of my thoughts. <laughs> On they that kinda, note. This, this episode kind of sounds down and sad, but it's not. I think it's just more truly fascinating for, for me as somebody who has not sacrificed their body at all, except yeah. for just indulging on Cheetos and just allowing that to just you know pack weight on me because I love Cheetos. Love them Cheetos. I didn't know I did. Like I will sacrifice my body for Cheetos. <laughs> As far as like sports and stuff, I will push myself to be like, I don't, it's really hot out here. I don't want to overheat. <laughs> or, oh, my knees hurt. I'm going to stop jogging. I think, uh, well, I'll just walk the rest yeah. of the way. I mean, it's easy to say that sumo wrestlers sacrifice their body, but I mean, we all do in some ways, you know? Some people sacrifice their body to a nine to five office job and sit behind a desk yep. for 30 plus years. That's very true. If you ask me, that's a sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. And and other people are ranchers or, you know, cattle people. They're outside. Carpenters that sacrifice their hands and end up with arthritis. So there's there's Mm, lots of ways that people can sacrifice their bodies. It's just it comes down to what's important to them and uh, what they want to invest their time in. Sumo must be an incredible world to be a part of if these men are willing to do this. Right. First, I mean, it's like a. I always go back to ballet. Men and women are sacrificing their bodies for ballet big time. I mean, yeah. talk about a short career. Ta- have you ever looked at a ballerina's feet? Exactly. Boy, exactly. And they. <laughs> Toes are jacked. Yeah. And they. Sorry to any of our point ballerinas <laughs> who are listening to our sumo podcasts. We know you're out there. Surely there's people that love ballet and sumo together. I hope I so. Do. I love it. I yeah. Love it. So people do all sorts of amazing things with their bodies. That's very true. And uh, many of us injure ourselves slowly or quickly in the pursuit of those things that we love. It's very true. Right? I just find it so interesting, though, too, because sumo in the, I don't know, in the most recent past has not been popular amongst young people. It's like only a sport for 50 and above. I think it's changing due to the until fact fangirls got involved. Until the fangirls got involved, and then there's just been more outreach, social media. I don't uh-huh. know. It's appealing to a new fan base again. Yeah. When these guys got involved in it, they got involved in it when they were like eight, nine, ten, fifteen. They go into a stable. It's kind of kooky to believe that they're like, okay, I'm going to dedicate my life to this sport when it's not really the cool thing to do. And sacrifice my body. That's an that's an interesting thing mm-hmm, about a lot of these wrestlers that are wrestling today. They went into it when it wasn't popular, and they've decided that they're going to honor this this traditional sport, this ancient traditional sport, and sacrifice their bodies along the way. Yeah, those are my thoughts. Awesome. John Gunning wrote an article on this subject. I love that John Gunning. I sure wish he'd listen, or if he's listening, let us know he's yeah. listening. <laughs> that would be awesome. He wrote a really great article on the subject of whether wrestlers are going to be healthier with less injury or whether they're going to be more injury prone. 
the next time oh. we watch them wrestle. Why? Because they've had time. They they've taken time out of the rhythm. Of yeah. Practicing? Okay. Oh. So so um, I sort of approached this idea of injury through the lens of this article because I wanted to really understand his reasoning because you know he's been a sumo wrestler. Yeah. Right. He has. Yeah. Yeah. He has that experience. He wrote that initially. Wrestlers may be worse off from this break, but later may see some benefit. And his reasoning was based on lack of training options in the beginning, but absence of tour responsibilities later. And I want to break that down a little bit. Okay. Okay. So to his first point about the lack of training in a COVID break, he said the average Rikishi fights more often in a single morning practice than he does over the entire two weeks of a competition. And sumo doesn't employ much in the way of restricted sparring. Practice bouts generally carry the same physical impact as those in official tournaments. So rather than the layoff of because of this coronavirus being a time of healing, Rikishi are more likely to find themselves in worse physical condition, trapped in a stable with all their normal stress release outlets no longer available. In addition, he says that most stables don't have weights. And so these guys have to go to the gym to do their weight training. Mm. So one of the reasons we have so much more injury right now is because sumo wrestlers are bigger and stronger and heavier than they ever have been. Yeah, they used to be skinny. Yeah, they used to be smaller. So we're seeing... legitimately skinny. Yeah, yeah. So we're seeing more injuries because these guys are bigger yeah, and producing just a lot more power, a lot more impact, right? I like to think of it when you go to the ski slopes and you see those like little kids that zoom down the mountains without (laughs) poles and they wipe out and they're like, oh, I'm fine. I'm fine. And then like there's me who wipes out and like it's (laughs) questionable if I can get back up or what bones I broke because you know what? I'm heavier. Yeah. His point, to fall. His point about this first section of training being detrimental has to do with Sumo wrestlers not being able to access the gym and maintain their weight training and not being able to train with each other every morning and keep practicing those impacts. So they're going to go into this thing thinking, oh, it's just like my old body was going to exactly. do. And then they're going to hurt themselves because right. they're going to be like, oh, wait, like, oh, I didn't I, notice my yeah, body. I got atrophied. a four week break in there and I can't do what I used to do. My muscles have already atrophied some. Well, we don't know. Have a lot of them like lost weight? Well, we don't know that. Because looking at all the social media stuff, it seems like they all are looking like they're eating. <laughs> well, weight is one thing. Muscle is well, another thing. And if you can't true. get to the gym and you're not doing that one-on-one daily practice, physical practice with yeah. the wrestlers in your stable, you're losing a lot of strength. I, I bet, that's though, his main as point. high paid as these guys are, they have somebody who is like, here's your home workout. You know, like some of these football players for we football hope. teams? Uh, they all have private, like, here's the equipment, we're sending it to your home, and here is on Zoom your trainer for the day. Well, I'm that watching may, you do that. That may be a very American approach. Maybe. Yeah. And I imagine somebody like Hakaho, he might have the space in his home and the ability to buy a whole weight system and work out however he needs to at home. Right. But these guys living in a stable with a bunch of other men. And trying to maintain a sort of social distance might not have the access to those kind of things to keep them in shape. 
So that was his point. Nothing beats real practice, not only physically, but also for stress relief. So he was talking a lot about the mental strain of not being able to do that kind of physical practice. Well, you might get panicked because you're like, I got this tournament coming up and I haven't gotten the track time. Exactly. Instead, you're on your Game Boy, you're doing string games or your golf stuff. (laughs) And you're like, this, my buddy doesn't feel the same and I don't feel the same inside because I'm not you can't knock it till you try it. You do not know if you like if the guy does string games all days on his finger. You know what? Maybe that helps him. We don't know. We just don't know. Maybe it does. So after July, John Gunning was saying, I think he's assuming that training would resume in Staples. Right. Which um, is kind of what I said about Indo. I think they're starting right. to either come back in from, they all went exactly. home to their own home provinces or prefectures and then are coming back in to go into quarantine to start back up with right. uh, morning practices. Right. And- so I assume what he means is once those practices start back up and with a cancellation of the fall tour after this July tournament, then he says they'll have a chance to heal. And that made me really wonder about what a tour really is. I mean, I know it's a scheduled series of events between tournaments that require a lot of travel for the wrestlers that require that they eat, you know, not the way they normally do. They have to eat from convenience stores and things like that. And it's a full schedule that it doesn't allow them to train the way they normally do mm-hmm. or to heal, like to spend time with massage therapists and physical therapists, if they have access to those, and really focus on their own body. Instead, they're having to go out and do these events. But I don't know more about tours than that. Do you know? No, not much. Other than I think it's their societal obligations. And probably to promote the sport of sumo, they do sumo tours. That's kind of what I gathered. Now, I'm no expert, and it is hard to find any information on that, um, because I think you can buy tickets to the sumo tours. I imagine it's also, uh, you know, these festivals and all these other things that they have to do. It looks like when you see pictures of, oh, there they are today, and they're taking pictures with babies, or there they are in the... the, Cherry Blossom Festival. So maybe like, they're more like photo ops. They have to travel together and no, do photo pract- ops or I mean, no, I rituals they, or... No, I think they do like meets. I think of it like, you know, when uh, I may be completely wrong. People let us know. You know, gymnasts have worlds and then they compete for worlds and then they have all these regional meets that kind of help them get to their rankings, whatever they are, yeah. practice. Those aren't just for them to get ranking and practice. Like, those are for people to come out to the stadiums and watch all the up-and-coming gymnasts compete on bar and beam. And they do that all over the United States. I think it's for many people to see the sport, to observe the sport, and to see matches, to to see wrestlers fight with each other, to promote the sport in general. I think we need to interview John Gunning and find out what the hell... A fall tour is. Yeah. What happens in a, in a fall tour? Yeah. Because his point in this article was that with the absence of the fall tour, the wrestlers would finally be able to heal from their injuries. So I feel like it's critically important that we find out what is involved in a fall tour, if that's going to be the thing that's going to help them heal. I think so. Yeah, John Gunning. So how much time does it take to heal from injury? I don't know. It depends. Minor injuries, let's say a muscle tear, a minor muscle tear, just a couple weeks. But severe muscle tears, three plus months. 
And if you need surgery. Wait, wait repeat that. Okay. Three plus months? Three plus months for, for a pretty major muscle tear. But if you need surgery, it lengthens the healing time massively. So that's why Ariso didn't want to right. do that. Because right. he was going to be out for the long haul. Yeah. But that's just muscles, okay? So tendons, you know, tendons connect muscles right. to bones, right? So uh, like a head tendon... Bone connects to the hip bone. The uh-huh. head bone does not connect okay. to the hip bone, by <laughs> no, the way. No, but those are ligaments that you're thinking about. <laughs> oh, okay. Right? Then ligaments, that song should have been... The ligament, ligament, head ligament connects to, to the, the neck, neck ligament. ligament. Yeah. <laughs> Should have been totally different, but it wouldn't have been fun to sing, right? Um, okay, so tendons. Like a small strain of a tendon, not that much time. It's kind of similar to muscles, a couple weeks, right? Mm-hmm. But again, the more severe the tendon tear, the more time you need. Recovery time for a tendon tear is something like four months to one year. Ooh, yeah. And tendons... Okay, let me go back. There's three stages of healing whenever you have an injury. Okay. The first phase is inflammation. Second phase is the actual repairing of the area itself. And the third phase is the kind of the most critical one. It's the strengthening phase. So in the third phase, you don't feel like you're hurt anymore, but the area is very weak. And it takes a lot of physical therapy and a lot of attention to the area to bring this, the same sort of strength around the area back to what it to was. To match the before. rest of the body, too. Exactly. So it's not off and, kilter and going to injure you again. Right. And tendons in particular, like that third phase of healing for like a good tendon tear, we're talking like week seven. And it's not going to be back to normal until a year later. So you're talking about months and months and months. So they go in and try to fight on an injured, right? Super prone to being re-injured all over again. And then you're back to square one. You can think about them going into the arena and fighting there, but think about the morning practices. Well, exactly. And they've had what a week off or just a little bit of time off after the last tournament. Yeah. Then all their sumo duties come back in to play, and then they're in morning practices. Yes. So they literally get, and then they're in the tournament, and then they get no time to heal. Exactly. Uh, a week to heal on a hamstring. Yes. Add to this, when muscles are injured, the body heals by laying down scar tissue, collagen, right? right? Mm-hmm. Extra fascia to fortify and strengthen. But usually you lose flexibility when this happens because... You need strength and support more than you need flexibility right now. Maybe you can so get your body it later. says like no, no, no. The first first priority, priority is just strength, strength and because support. you'll snap it in half next time. Exactly. So yeah, so things really tighten up around your injury, and it can like start to even like contort around injury, and then your your fascia, which is. When it's healthy, it kind of slips and slides over what muscles. What is fascia? That it's the so it's fascia, all the other yeah. So tendons. fascia is connective tissue that <laughs> okay. surrounds and holds everything in your body. Right? Okay. It's this really. It's a very. If we didn't have fascia, we would be blobs on the floor with yeah. some bones. <laughs> yeah, that is true. Yeah, it's this really cool organ that we're just beginning to study, and it provides structure. It's uh, innervated, so it's really sensitive. Innervated, yeah, that's a big nerves, word. Nerves run through it. Oh. Well, and it's your your primary organ of proprioception. That other big. You word. are using too many words I know. that I'm I sorry. do not understand. Like I'm at sorry. least define these big words <laughs> that I was never taught in school. I feel like an so, idiot. Yeah, it's this. Pro, 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 it's all of this connective tissue in your body that 
goes from the, it connects the outside of your body to the very inside of your body. And it's constantly reading where you are in space and how you need to move to maintain your balance. It, it works way faster than your brain does. Is that what happens like when you like pull a hair on your neck, but then you feel it in your knee? Yes. Yes. Because there so are And you're like, why is that happening? Yeah. Yeah, that has something to do with connective tissue. I thought it was actually just black magic. No, but. no, no. But it's it's what happens. Like so something in my neck connected to my knee. Yeah, when you see a sumo wrestler start to fall off the doyo, and their their body is going, okay, how far can I fall? How do I need to twist in order to land safely? safely right? How that's instinctual. Yeah, it is. It you can call it instinctual, but it's your fascia making those sort of split second decisions. Not your brain. Not your brain. No, not your brain. Your fascia. So think of the IT band. You know where the IT band is in your body? No. It's it's on the outside of your legs. Right. If you were to look, if you were to peel your skin back and look Gross. at your IT band. OK, or, if or I like, was going to see it, the exhibition bodies. It, yeah. Or go into a cadaver lab or whatever. Oh, I just made a reservation for a cadaver lab <laughs> the other day. I have a reservation for Tuesday at 430. Tea and cadavers, please. Yes, please. Yeah. No. How would so, I ever see a cadaver in my life? I would so faint. If, I faint at the sight you... of blood. I would certainly faint at the sight of a cadaver. Well, there's no blood in a cadaver. What? There's no blood in a cadaver. They drain it all? Yeah, all that's gone. Okay, let's yeah. just stop talking about it because I'll, I'll faint. Anyway, okay, sorry. <laughs> but if, if you were to look at the outside of a leg, you see all this kind of white, they look like white fibers. Yeah, I know what you mean. cross yeah, on yeah, the yeah. outside yeah, of yeah. a leg. Uh, kind of like duct tape fibers that kind of cross. Yep. So those are designed to just sort of move smoothly back and forth and... You know, more fascia is recruited depending mm -hmm. on the heavier the object is you're picking up, blah, blah, blah. But once you get an injury, they get sticky and they tighten up and they harden against each other hmm. and they become immobile and, hmm. okay. and painful, really painful if they don't move anymore. And that happens from injury, too. So you'll not only get, like, let's say, a separated shoulder, but you'll start to get this really hard, sensitive, tight, really deep crisscrossing of fascia and scar tissue. Can you around. massage that out? You know uh, they say massage a bruise and it won't be as bad? Um, yes, but it's really painful. Like, there's some great footage of Tochin Ocean working with a foot dock. And the foot dock just has one finger on this part of his foot. And he's pushing in really hard. And Tochin Ocean is, like, squealing in pain. He's like, oh! Or he just has I'm just really gonna keep doing... sensitive feet. I'm just going to keep doing the sound effect because it's so great. <laughs> it's because of injury. I'm no doc. I have so little cred. You're closer in to this a doc area. than I am. You've seen a dead body. I've been to a cadaver lap. Don't I have. About it. I mean, this is coming from the background of someone who was who was a, a dancer, a longtime yogi, a structural integrator. Like I work with and work on people's injuries in their bodies. And I can tell you that the body has an amazing regenerative capability. But when it comes to musculoskeletal injury, it never comes back 100% of what it was. Yeah, that's why I can't do splits like I used to. <laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Did you have an injury? Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know when it happened, but it. I noticed like when I would be warming up before dance class, I think probably a long, long time ago when I used to dance 
professionally because I would push myself for more flexibility and I just never had much flexibility in my hips and my left side hamstring I think I pulled at some point and still all these years later I'll take a dance class in the beginning of class you'll stretch out and sit in a straddle and you know you lean forward just like whatever these sumo wrestlers do and my left side is just it hurts and sometimes I'll know I'll be pulling on it I'm like oh I still have it on my right side that's fine my left side is no matter what I do it's still there it's still there and I just lost mobility I just will never have that flexibility back yeah I don't know what it would take to get get it back yep Yep, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like one time I injured my back doing yoga and ever since then I haven't been able to do backbends the same. Hmm. Like I used to be able to just throw down in a backbend, not a big deal. But now it like it takes so much effort to align things perfectly so that I can get into a backbend without any discomfort. I mean, think about sumo wrestlers. They're doing that on a daily basis. Like they're having to retrain their bodies and go, okay, how do I need to shift my weight just a little bit to make sure I can throw this move. Or maybe this move is now out of my vocabulary altogether and I need to learn some new ones because I don't have the chest strength on my left side anymore. So I better come up with some really deadly weapons to do something else. Right? Right, which is you have to be a jack of all trades. That's why you can't just go in with your favorite technique because when you get injured, like Tochinoshin, you can kind of see it evident with him. It's like... He can't fight the way he used to because he lost so much of his power with his injury. Some sumo wrestlers are really good at retraining their body to to use their body in a different way, right? And they have a lot of experience to fall back on. And this is what Mariah Holmes was talking about in terms of her hamstring injury. Because she was out flat on her back for a number of months. Let me like bedridden. Yeah. Let me play this clip for you. Here we go. You had a brutal hamstring tear at the Sumo World Championship in Taiwan in 2018 or 2019? 18, yeah. 18. And it was a similar injury to my favorite wrestler, which is Takayasu. I don't know why. I just pick my pony and I've always loved Takayasu. Um, (laughs) Tell me about that recovery process because it seems almost Herculean. Yeah. It was, I play rugby. I've broken things before. I smashed my cheekbone in. I've I've done some crazy stuff. But when I did that, it was like, it didn't hurt at first. It was just this crazy shock. And then just this immense pain. The doctors there were not helpful. And they were like, oh, you're fine. Maybe it's a (gasps) sprain. And I got back and I had torn all three. There's three. (gasps) parts of your hamstring yeah, yeah. Three, I tore all three one of them connects to another <laughs> and then the other connects to your bone yeah. so I had torn them apart and then I had torn it completely off of my bone <laughs> it just, it just annihilated my hamstring <laughs> oh god you must have had surgery yeah I did I had surgery in September and I was not allowed to even sit I was only allowed to lay down for the next, gosh, four months? Uh, four months. Wow. Um, yeah. It You're was blowing awful. my mind. It was Is so, that possible? It was so awful. Like, we, I took quarantine to a no, whole nother level. Right? <laughs> it was awful. That's all I can say about that. It was just excruciating. 
and for someone like me, I'm just a goer, like a go-getter and like a doer. And to like be bedridden for that long was hard. To not practice for that long was hard. So in January, I came back and I was able to walk. And so I started walking and I went to practices and I started stretching and I um, slowly got back into practice. Nationals was in like the end of February, right? So I started walking in January and I was really frustrated because I went up a weight class from not moving. I gained weight. So now I'm in the heavyweight division and I went to nationals in February and I won, which was crazy how did you how, I, don't, I, did, I don't even how? know I hadn't practiced since July when I tore it so I hadn't practiced since July and I hadn't walked since September <laughs> so it was that was the hardest thing for me and to be honest I wouldn't have been able to get through because it's so it's not just physical. Yeah, it hurts. And yeah, you're limited. But the mental part of recovering is the game changer. There's so much, I can't do this. And I'll never be as good as I was before. And, you know, why am I even trying to do this? There's so many times you just want to quit. And um, I have a friend, Donna, who is also a wrestler, who was just by my side, not letting me quit the whole time, you know, she just pushed and pushed and thank God she didn't because I have a very long career ahead of me still. So I got through the struggles of, you know, recovery and I got back in the doyo and I, I managed to come out, you know, even stronger with that willpower and win in February. And that's when I went, uh, we went to Japan. I ended up in the semifinals that year. So Congrats. yeah, that's it was huge. a good year. And if I, if I had let myself give in to the mental hardship, you know, that I incurred those four months, I wouldn't have made it there. She was able to come back super quickly once she could move again, because she had a lot of experience she had a lot of muscle memory of what she could already do. So somebody like Kakadu, somebody like Kakadu can come back and compete at the highest levels fairly quickly because of the experience that he's already had. Yeah. I would say any high level sumo wrestler has an extreme understanding of their own body. They know their own strengths. Hopefully they know their own weaknesses once they can accept that they have an injury and get mentally and physically prepared to wrestle differently. Well, until and you they just, just can't think anymore. about Hakaho and Kakaru. Yeah. They have a Rolodex of different techniques that they can use yeah. where they're like, oh, this part of my body's hurting. So it looks like I can play on any of these other 40 techniques to win. Yeah. Where if you're a younger wrestler and you don't have the Rolodex of techniques and kimarite, right. then you then you are stuck with your your one trick that you do. Or, or you're willing to learn. Right. You have to you have to relearn. I mean, some of them I understand take years to perfect the timing of and if you're i don't know if you don't feel like you have the time or if you don't want to keep 
teaching yourself these new techniques. You're mm-hmm. just like, I'm a pusher thruster. That's all I can do. That's all I wish to do. And I will do that until my body gives out. That's one thing. But if you're like, okay, I can no longer push and thrust the way I could, I best learn how to do some more flips on the belt. Yeah. <laughs> Real fast. Yeah. You know, perseverance and, and you know, being kind to yourself I, goes a long way. And I think you really have to love, love what you're doing. And I think I really found that I, I really do have this passionate love for sumo that just, it'll, it'll carry you through. And, and somehow I, I did, I made it through. And that was one of the hardest things <laughs> I've ever had to do. Basically, these sumo wrestlers are being given maybe a once in a lifetime opportunity to really sit down and rest their body and strengthen it the way it needs to be strengthened after an injury, get some good body work and heal so that they can be healthier and can make better decisions about whether to continue sumo fighting or not. Yeah. Sumo fighting? <laughs> sumo, yeah, sumo fighting! fighting. Abby's Fastest lightning! I think Abby's a sumo fighter with his, uh, what's the name, <laughs> if there's a name for it, with that rapid fire, uh, Tassada, tis, I don't know, I'm thinking, I saw some the other day. It's, it's a technique. It's the rapid arm thing that he does. The windmill thing? Yeah, the windmill. It's just amazing. All it's right. It's just called the chopper. The chopper. Do you want to hear about some sumo fun facts? Yeah. I found this article the other day and I found it interesting. During the 8th century, sumo was introduced into the ceremonies of the imperial court and performed at the at an annual festival, the Sechizumo. Uh, Sechizumo? Sechizumo. Sechizumo. I have no idea how to pronounce <laughs> Wait, it. Can I just tell you, I found an interview with, with Aki Bono um, this week in which he said, you know, I've tried to listen to interviews and shows about sumo from foreign people, but he's like, I can't stand to listen to them because their pronunciation is so poor. And I was like, oh! Well, Maybe you listen to ours. Don't <laughs> listen to us then, because we do not get it right. But we're going to be taking some Japanese classes here yep. soon, so Yay! we'll get there eventually. But anyway, this festival included music and dancing in which the victorious wrestlers participated, which I've always had this question. I was like, why are they all, why do all these sumo wrestlers also sing? And perform. Some of them have had contracts even before they left the ranks. They've had music contracts. But it goes back in time. So the the winning wrestlers were expected to perform and sing for the audiences in public. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It was. Uh, there's also this thing called jinku, which is a form of folk singing, and it's a common sight that you might see on the tours and at ceremonies like on retirement. The tours. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a singing tour. Oh, I maybe wish it's like it was a like men's a, sumo chorus. It's a talent show. Oh it's my a tour god, and talent show. I would go on that tour. Well, apparently six wrestlers wearing keshamuashi take on the mic. They take the the microphones into the center of the ring while the others clap and sing along with them in unison and. And the songs usually include verses related to where they come from and where they're passing through or the rikishi themselves or who's retiring. I made you watch the, I think it was from 2018, which is, I guess, their jinku, their folk singing. And I was so excited because obviously Ikioi is 
has like hands down the best voice. Kota Shogiku surprised me. It's great. Um, and there were some that were just full out awful, but I loved the fact that they all participated. Yes. Like Hakaho and Kakaru singing yep. just warmed my heart. Yes. So uh, I don't know. We do not own rights to this song, but I thought we would just play you a little highlight yeah. of this this uh, sumo folk, wrestler singing. Sumo wrestler folk singing. つ一人で言えるかな。おはよう、ありがとう、ごめんなさい。こんにちは、いただきます。大きな声で。はい、はっきよい、はっきよい。お相撲。はっきよい、はっきよい。お相撲。All right, so that is our style of sumo. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. That's right. Please tune in again for more info on the sport we love. Join us online. Find us on social media at Sumo Kaboom. Connect up with us, comment, tell your friends. Feel free to ask us anything about sumo. We'll do our best to get to the bottom of it or find somebody else who can. All right, until then, I'm Leslie. And I'm Laurie. Thanks for listening. さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。さよなら。